0: Well, hey, everyone, Athena Dean Holtz here and welcome to the All Things Podcast, where we gather once a week to hear real life stories about how God works all things together for good, because he is always faithful and always good. Well, hey, before we get this party started, I have some exciting news for you. If you're ready to get your book in front of an entirely new and fast-growing market, an audiobook would be perfect for you. Having an audiobook gives you the opportunity to get your book in front of more people while giving the listener a new way to hear your story in an intimate way. An estimated 131 million people listen to an audiobook in 2021. And do you know that the people that listen to audiobooks don't read print books, they only listen to audiobooks. So it's a whole new market for you to take advantage of. Leverage the opportunity of getting your book in front of millions of people by having an audiobook today. We can help you create one. Visit RedemptionPressAudio.com for our introductory special. Welcome to today's episode of the All Things Podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to Redemption Press author Mike Henry and his newest book, Down the River. Uh, Michael Henry is a retired pastor and missionary currently living in Wenatchee, Washington. He is passionate about encouraging effective prayer through writing and teaching. His wife, Shelly, a retired school teacher, is his partner in hiking, hunting, camping, grandparenting, and other adventures. He is publishing an adventure trilogy that illustrates the power of courageous faith and intercessory prayer. He has also produced an award-winning documentary film. So without further ado, let's roll that conversation. Well, Pastor Michael Henry, it is a delight to have you on the podcast today. Welcome to the all things podcast.
1: Well, thank you very much, Ephema. I'm delighted to be included.
0: Amen. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation and, um, as those who are listening today are familiar with our podcast know that I always like to ask each guest that I have on to share their favorite or one of their favorite Romans 828 stories and it can or it doesn't have to be related to the book we're going to be talking about today but it can be but I would just love to give you the digital stage and have you share just how God has worked in your life, uh, working all things, even sometimes hard things, together for good. So I love people to get an inside sneak peek into your life. So would love to hear it.
1: Thank you. Um, I guess I, there's multiple levels of what the Lord has made come out of uh, this, out of this story and the whole process, because it began um, over 10 years ago when the idea for the story came. I was working on my uh, doctorate papers. And um, and so the story was brewing in the back of my mind, kind of as an escape from all the focus and tension. Uh, and. Um, I promised myself that once the doctoral paper was done, then I would relax and write my fictional story. And um, so I began that process. I wrote it, sent it to editors, inquired about traditional publishing. And I was so discouraged and disappointed with um the system and and how how many months it would take for a publisher to get back to you and um and so that went on for years but i learned a lot it was a growing time editors had a lot of good input and uh finally i decided you know i i actually gave up talked to a publisher and they have a different uh i guess theological perspective about the things i was writing which didn't make sense to me. Uh, and um, so I just knew that's not a good fit. And I was really at the point of giving up. I, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And then I came across you at a writer's conference, and, and then another friend had published through uh, Redemption Press. And so I thought, okay, Let's look into that and are you going to have to provide to help me uh, uh, make this as an investment. And, and so all those challenges came to uh, it's going to work. It's going to happen. And uh, the story was published, uh, Two Rivers, and, um, and I was very proud of it, very happy with it. And I I gave it, this is the real point of my Romans 8.28. So all that happened and it was worth it just to satisfy me. But I gave it to a friend. He's my mechanic. And um, he's about my age. And he read it and loved the story. Uh, He took it to his father who reads Westerns. His father's was up upper 80s. And not in good health. And um he he gave it to his father to read. His father read it and said he really liked it. And and so my friend Ram was visiting his father in Tacoma. And and when he was leaving to come back to Wenatchee, his father said, Ron, I love you. And it was the first time in 50 years his father said that am wow. i just, wow and and ron felt that that uh, the book softened his heart and actually turned his eyes toward the lord and and uh, since that time within this past year he passed away so um just hearing that kind of thing besides ever um men who would come to me and say their, their prayer life has changed because of the inspiration of the story. So all of the challenges and the concern about finances and giving this out, um, Just I just felt like the Lord was saying, I'm, I'm taking care of it all. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's my uh, Romans 828 story. I guess there's more I could add to it, but uh, let's leave it at that for now.
0: Yeah, I love that because it can get very discouraging with just the system, the model that everyone's used to. Well, you know, you get an agent or you go to a traditional publisher and, you know, if if everything works out, they foot the bill and do the whole thing. And, you know, it's just gotten over the years harder and harder for people. And, and people do. They give up on. And when God is given them something to say and something to write. And it's so easy to, that's just right where the enemy wants. That's what he wants to do. Silence yeah. us, you know? Yeah. So
1: and I love, I love that. That's very he, true. I, I think for a lot of us who um, aren't mega church pastors with a built-in platform, mm-hmm. um, just to try to get something out there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And God does. I just love to watch the way he works through the obedience, you know, and we just say, okay, I believe you've called me to it. And I believe you'll provide. And he does. And then we, you know, we take those steps of courage and faith and he uses those words to, you know, draw people to himself and change lives. And I love it. So, so we're talking about book number two now down the river. Mm-hmm. and now this is going to be a trilogy, right? So this is book number two, but there's another one in the works, right?
1: Yes, yes. Uh Two Rivers is the title of the first story, and so I'm calling this the Two Rivers trilogy, and and so the second book is called Down the River, and uh, so it's obviously a continuation, and the third book will be called The River West. Mm. So it's uh, a long journey that tracks with um, a, a young pastor in 1840 who becomes a missionary to the Arapaho Indians, and and uh, and then the, the journey takes an interesting twist and takes him back east and then down to the swamps in Louisiana and back up the mattress trace to uh, to Ohio. So he makes this huge roundabout journey with a bunch of faith adventures and uh, finally gets back to uh, where he's supposed to be in the Arapaho village, um, actually with a, a young sweetheart. So wow. There, there's even an element of romance in there.
0: Nice. So what inspired you to write Two Rivers? So the first book, what was it? I mean, how did the how did the idea come?
1: Right. I think the uh, the story, the idea began when we were missionaries in Mexico and we had begun um, doing deliverance ministry. We started having a lot of people at church start to um, manifest demons because they were um, accepting Jesus and coming out of witchcraft or the occult or heavy drug use or, or other false belief systems. And, and it just required um, that intense spiritual warfare, learning how to do uh, deliverance, casting out demons, but then the inner healing that was required so that they didn't fall back into it. Right. So I I was learning all of that, giving and giving, incredible experience with in some bizarre circumstances but seeing the Lord uh, perform amazingly in in each case each individual case and uh, learning how to trust the Holy Spirit in the moment trust my prayer trust the people with discernment who were on my team so all of that the spiritual nature of that ministry uh, uh, was really growing and developing and far outside of what I had been trained and prepared to do, my demomination, uh you know, wasn't typically along those lines but I was thrust into it. So all that to say, I thought, well, maybe I should write a book about all these experiences but I realized that at that time and in, in the mid-90s there were a lot of books out there about spiritual warfare or intercessory prayer and i thought wow i'm just not in a position to compete with them even though i might have something interesting to say so then i i have um well as a missionary cross-cultural things are you know part of my ministry experience but i I've always had a, a profound fascination with Native Americans, their um, uh, traditional beliefs, and um, and you know the, what we would look at and say that they're superstitious or they're pagan or whatever that they're doing. But I I didn't just want to shove it aside, but wanted to learn about it. So I was thinking, well, maybe if I wrote all of my information as a fiction, um, that would work. But then that was shortly after Frank Perebe's books came out. My I thought, well, I don't want to sound like I'm copying him. But if I put it in a missionary setting, it might make sense to people. Mm. And then, so I just thought, well, why not do it in a historical setting of a missionary working with Native Americans, then that would be a setting where you know, people who read it now would say, oh, look at that. Oh, and it would catch them and not seem like a, a far-fetched or a fictitious thing that, you know, spiritual warfare is very real and, um, and current. And but so I thought, well, maybe that'll fit. So anyway, I wrote it that way. And uh, I, I think it I think it works.
0: Yes, I, I agree, because I've seen, you know, people, the enemy would love for us to either be one of two extremes, like, oh, the devil, come on. Yeah, yeah. That, hey, that's don't be so superstitious. Right. And then or the other where it's just, you know, there's a demon behind every doorknob, yeah, to, you know, where it's just excessive. And and he loves to keep us in one of those two places. And what you're bringing through a story is that balance of, oh, no, it's real. And here's how you can see it happening.
1: And it's an illustration of how, you know, a, a young pastor is pushed into this similarly to the way I was and how it becomes real for him and increases his faith and the effectiveness of his ministry, especially Um, understanding the native americans and being accepted by them
0: amen so um i'm going to skip to this question what is the story then of the newest the book number two down the river
1: okay so uh, i have to back up a little bit for you because alan hartman is the young pastor comes from new york joins a group going to be a missionary band out in uh, the Oregon Territory. So um, he ends up through a bunch of spiritual encounters having an effective impact for the gospel with an Arapaho tribe in what is now Wyoming. So the, the rest of the missionary group all return back to the states. They give up. And and then word gets out that Alan is not doing what he was supposed to do, which was they wanted him to start a school for Indian children. And he thought, well, I'm in their camp being influential and effective and have to learn their language and their culture. And they wouldn't just come to a school. So anyway, he gets called back to Baltimore, and on the way, his friend, Deacon Abraham, who initially taught him some deliverance steps had been kidnapped. He's a a, a black pastor. And in those days, you know, a, a would be a, a, a Negro pastor, but he was kidnapped by a slave catcher and taken down the river to a, a sorcerer who, um, what wanted to make him a slave again, but not only a slave on his plantation, but a, a soul slave, okay. just to really bind him up by witchcraft. So Alan then goes to rescue him, not knowing where he is, but just having the Lord leave him, rescuing him and returning. And so he meets um, uh, an intrepid young fellow who takes him on his keelboat down the Ohio River, where they get. Uh, attacked by river pirates and uh, eventually escape and make their way down. So it's all about how faith and intercessory prayer is causing the breakthrough.
0: Mm. I love that. And I love that you've done it in such a great setting that, you know, is compelling and it's like, wow, you actually kind of learn things about that time period and, the, yes. all the different places and the Native Americans. And I mean, it's yeah. rich. It's rich well, with yeah. that. Yeah.
1: And down the river, you know, he he's thrust into the world of the Underground Railroad where slaves are running away, trying to get to the north. And that's what Deacon Abraham does, is assist them on their way north. So uh, when he gets kidnapped himself, then Alan has to go rescue him. And, um, and so then is thrust into that environment as well.
0: Wow. So why do you put a strong emphasis on prayer and spiritual warfare?
1: Well, I, I, in a lot of um, stories, Westerns, especially Western movies, every time they depict a, a pastor or a preacher, he's always evil. Or hypocritical, or or weak, or something.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: I I wanted to show, okay, here's not just a pastor who has a six gun, but a pastor who is good and honorable and faithful, and his faith is prayer dependent, and the people behind him are praying for him, and you see how the enemy tries to disrupt the group of intercessors. So, uh, you know, i try to work all that in, which is an illustration of what it's like to, for us now based, if we pay attention, that, yeah, we, we have intercession teams or prayer teams at church, and they get disrupted. And, and then eventually, in a few months, things will get weak or fall apart, and we just don't make that connection. Yeah. So I wanted to include that in the story. Prayer is so necessary that this is a illustration of how much we must depend on prayer and understanding.
0: Amen. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times just with technology, I mean, Satan is the Prince of the power of the air. So, I mean, that is his domain. And so when we have something that won't work, it just is frustrating and, I mean, I can't believe how long it takes me to remember, wait a second, Lord, would you just rebuke the devourer on my behalf? And would you just like dismantle every strategy of the evil one that's trying to block or hinder? And I mean, the minute I pray like that, boom,
1: it's, you not, know that's right. it's not a problem anymore. Sometimes there's an amoeba answer. Yeah. Sometimes it might take days or weeks, but- mm-hmm. That's where persistent perseverance comes into play.
0: Absolutely. Because yeah. w- there there's a part of scripture, and I want to say it's in Daniel, where it was 21 days right. that the Prince of Persia stopped him.
1: Yeah, he's okay. fasting and praying 21 yeah. days. And and the angel says, Yeah, the Lord heard your prayer the first day, but that principality interfered. Yep. And that persistence is what broke through. Yep. Yeah, very much. Yeah,
0: so, so good. just
1: trying to put that into a Western setting is, uh, is fun for me.
0: Yeah, I love that. So uh, now you gave us a couple of um, clues as to responses that you've had. Do you have any other responses you'd like to share with us while we're wrapping this up?
1: Um, well, I, I've i had one friend, he, he um, retired now. He was a jail chaplain. But he enjoyed the story so much that he bought several copies to give away, and um, he goes back to it to be encouraged to continue praying. But uh, he's given that away to um, veterans who are facing depression, um, and uh, um, ever he passed it around to uh, you know people getting out of jail. So uh, it, it's making an impact. And I hear often, um, I, I've just been encouraged to pray. I, I feel like I need to be awakened or learn something new. And th- this is inspiring me to do that.
0: That is, that must feel so good. Just, it,
1: it does, it, wow. uh, that's one of the purposes besides, um, you know, g- getting that out distributed widely. Uh, because I think it's got a valuable gospel message that is low key, but I think um, non-believers would be impacted by it as well.
0: Exactly. So if we have people listening today that would like to reach out to you either on social media or your website, what's the best place for them to do that?
1: Um, Through the website, which is michaelwhenry.com. And... um. And that's my email is Mike at Michael W Henry.com. And that, that would be the simplest way right now.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for all that you do and this ministry that God has called you to, to use fiction, to illustrate real life uh, situations that we need to be aware of. We need to be equipped and we need to be, focusing on praying when you know maybe sometimes we have lost our way in that area and uh so thank you for all you do god bless your ministry
1: well thank you very much afima i've really enjoyed chatting with you
0: you bet well thanks so much for joining us today for the all things podcast brought to you by romans 828 bookstore and redemption press If today's episode encouraged you, we would love to have you share it with your friends on social media and maybe even leave a review on Apple. That will help the algorithms get us up higher to the top when people are searching for podcasts that can bring them hope and encouragement. So thanks again for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you again next week. Bye for now.